change They want me to change But I ain't changing Nah I remain the same And you are not tuned into Another episode of Intellectually Petty Radio Brought to you by M3S3 Clothing Men make moves and suckers stand still And as always on The mighty 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 Nerd DJ's radio network Shout out to the whole family Shout out to DJ Johnny O uh, Big Hef, T-Rex, DJ Squirt Y'all already know man um, Shout out to my guy Fred man From M3S3 Clothing man Been rocking with Fred for a minute man Very dope um, And salute to you Yo Yo uh, and, and Malcolm Jamal Warner Will definitely be in the house uh, You know what's crazy Like he, I just got a text from Malcolm Jamal Warner That's just fucking From Theo nigga Malcolm Jamal Warner Just text me Yo, that's <laughs> fucking crazy. Yo, but he's going to be about five minutes late. So, um, I think I, I, I've waited long enough for this interview. Another five minutes is not going to hurt me. Um, shout out to you, man. I'm hoping you're having a good day and hopefully we can make your shit great. And if you're having a bad one, you know, maybe we can do it, make it a little better. Uh, shout out to my cuz, man. Yo, it's hot as fuck. So, if I stumble a little bit, I'm sweating. Like, I don't even have my hat on. I usually hat fish y'all and shit. I'm burning up and i'm in the basement and it's like three thousand degrees down here i got lights on and shit um that's the way you're supposed to do it uh but yo it's hot as hell man um and have you seen uh what is that movie uh uh they clone tyrone yo and i, I do want to talk to that talk to uh malcolm about that too but yo i watched that yesterday an absolutely a really really dope movie. Like I was thoroughly, I was thoroughly impressed with the whole movie. Um, I laughed. I was angry. Um, I'm still thinking about it, and the the potential for reality is there. And they've been telling us what's gonna happen in the movies. For, for years and television and kind of getting us prepared. I mean, look at this shit with the aliens. My man literally gets on TV and admits that that they have found not only an alien ship, but actual alien life form on Earth. And that shit don't even make a ripple in the news cycle. We don't even care. That, that, that's how crazy shit has gotten. Is that we, my whole life I've been telling people is aliens on this planet. Um, and how how can we be so selfish or so egotistical as a species to think that we're the only planet in the solar system that has life forms on it. And we have found out what I've been thinking this whole time. There's actually fucking alien life form and nobody cares. That's how wild shit is, man. So, and I'm not going to go too deep into... The, the whole movie for those people that haven't seen it. I don't want to ruin it for you. Uh, but, yo, you have absolutely got to watch that movie. And that's like something that I might just do a show on for people that have watched that movie. It's that lit. It's very, 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 very good. Um, I don't know who uh, wrote the movie or directed it. Um, but Jamie Foxx is in it. And, yo, Jamie, does, Jamie is a hell of an actor. Yo, and it was dope seeing the brother, um, you know, looking healthy-ish. 
Um, and for those people that think that he was cloned, I don't know if you've ever spent time actually in the hospital, but you absolutely lose weight. Um, your skin tone changes. It, it, it definitely has an effect on, on your, your personality, your person completely. Um, so I, I'm not really, you know, I'm a conspiracy theorist, but I think my shit is only to an extent. I don't get too far. Um, and, and while I'm at it, since we're talking about, you know, news of the day per se, um, I'm glad to see that LeBron James son is out the hospital and back home with his family. Um, I don't want to get off into the, what I think as far as what happened, um, it is, it's horrible to hear that a man, a young man, his age, uh, with, with his athletics, athleticism, um, had a heart attack, you know, and coming from somebody that's had a heart attack before, uh, pe- the, the doctors were surprised that I had a heart attack and, and I was, what, I'm 51, so I was 48. I was too young to have a heart attack, so him having a heart attack is is extremely, extremely uh, unusual. Uh, I, 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 oddly, though, not necessarily for USC basketball, because uh, apparently another uh, individual had a heart attack at USC, um, I want to say a year ago. Do with that information what you will. They cloned Tyrone director Jewel Taylor. Shout out to my cousin, Marsha, and happy belated birthday to you. Um, I must admit, man, I got some really, really, really dope cousins, man. Um, and yo, just kind of like a, a moment for me. I've been trying to get this interview for probably a year. Um, and like my mom's was my biggest, biggest, biggest supporter. It didn't matter what the hell I was doing. If I was playing fucking marbles uh, life monopoly, unless we were playing together. Cause my mother was hella competitive, but she was just absolutely my biggest supporter in whatever endeavor I decided to do. And she's not with me anymore. And so when he hit me back and was like, okay, yeah, let's set a date. Okay. Bam. All right. And everything was finalized. Sent on the flyer. He liked the flyer. Okay, let's go. Um, I wanted to call my mother and obviously I couldn't. So I called my cousin Dion. Um, and like, I, and, and and not just Dion as far as support, like my cousins, I've, I've, I've got a handful of cousins that have just been my fucking rock over the years. Um, and Marsha is one of them. And let me get off my, my soapbox, man, because we have got. I may be the legend of my generation. I mean, from Theo to Dr. Austin, um, from movies, uh, author, father, um, just an overall dope ass black man. I mean, when I say legend, I mean, legend in the absolute sense of the word. When I say decades of putting in work, he is what black men aspire to be and black women want. Let me introduce y'all. Let's see, I'm fucking up. Introduce y'all. Yeah. How you doing, man? How's your family? Hey, man, uh, life is good. It's, uh, you know, adulting is a, uh, is a real thing. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. know? It's real. Yo, you, man, you have made being a black man look so fucking dope, bro. 
Oh, I appreciate that, brother. I appreciate that, brother. You know what's wild, though? Hearing you curse. Hear me curse? Did I curse? No, you didn't. Um, on, on hiding in plain view. I'm, I'm listening. I'm jamming. I'm like, okay, wait a minute. Did Malcolm Jamal Warner just say fuck? Or motherfucker? I'm uh, like, I was thoroughly surprised. But yo, bruh, why are we on that? And I, and I, I know we got a lot of shit to talk about. Yeah. Bruh, that shit is, dope is so dope. I've probably listened to that 50 times in the last mm, few days. Mm, mm. Word, word. I appreciate that. Man. Yo, did you I produce that? that? Yeah, I did. I did most of the production on that. So, so how do you plan you is my fourth album. Okay. Um, and this is the one where I decided to do, uh, to, to tackle the production myself. It started out as my, uh, quarantine lockdown project. Okay. Um, and I just never, I never finished the record. Like I kind of self-sabotaged myself. I was going to do like, a, like an EP. And then when I, I was going to do a five song EP, I got the five joints done. And then I was like, ah, let me, let me add two more songs. Uh, and then just life got in the way and the project never got finished. And then last year when the, uh, the Grammys opened up a, uh, separate spoken word poetry category, uh-huh. uh, because prior spoken word included poetry, audio books, speeches, comedy albums, uh, and anytime a poetry, al- a poetry album was nominated, it would lose to, uh, an audio book, like, uh, Sekou, uh, Sekou Anderson, uh, I'm sorry, Sekou Andrews, Okay. Uh, had had a, a a poetry album that was nominated, but Michelle Obama won for her audiobook. You know, the year before, Jay Ivey was nominated, but Don Cheadle won for a narration he did on John Lewis film. Uh, so mm-hmm. last year, the Grammys finally opened up after years of of, of us campaigning. They mm-hmm. finally opened up a spoken word poetry category. So that's what really made me finish the album. Because I was like, I gotta get my, I gotta throw my hat in. So I didn't see a video I, uh, for anything though. No, because you know, hey man, my, my, my all of my music is, is is funded out of pocket, so I didn't really have a video budget. <laughs> Come on, bro, you gotta tell there. me that if Malcolm Jamal Warner <laughs> did an Instagram and said, "Hey, I need somebody to do a video for me, free of charge," you'd have a thousand people lined up wanting to do it. Maybe so. I just never, I never just, I never went that route. Never, uh, I never went that route. And then also, when I put the, you know, by the time I finished the record, I finished the record just before I submitted it just in time. Okay. Uh, for the Grammy. So all that, so the album got a Grammy nomination. Um, okay. and for me, it was really about getting the record out, getting it out in time for the Grammys, for the Grammys, but all the, uh, the message that I needed to get out. Um, and I still think, you know, what I try to do with, with, with all of my albums is make timeless music. So, um, I can always go back and shoot a video, uh, to any of those joints. Uh, one, one of, one of the pieces I actually want to do a short, make a short film out of the, uh, the So mm-hmm. I Run. Um, yes. I want to do a so, uh, uh, you know, a short film of that. So again, the music is timeless. It's evergreen. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not chasing fads. I'm not chasing radio play. Uh, so I can, you know, there's no time constraint on when I put a video out for, for any of these pieces. Okay. Um, and, and I'll move on after this, but why not? Because you are the perfect 
spokesperson for spoken word. Sure. sure. And wouldn't you be doing those artists that missed out over the last couple of years a huge favor by 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 putting that spotlight on the whole genre? Well, I mean, there is a um, you know, Jay Ivey, uh, who actually won the Grammy uh, this past year. You know, Jay Ivey. I mean, he started out. He was on Kanye's first album. Jay Ivey. He you know wrote and uh, and produced the uh, was it Dr. Jesus with that uh, Kanye's documentary that got all that love. Um, oh, like I said, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, so I mean, there are. I mean, you know, there's Talam AC, uh, Sonny Patterson, uh, Amir Suleiman. So there are cats out there who who, who are, are are doing it. Um, you know, for me, uh, I mean, obviously, my you know, my bread and butter is a whole nother lane. So when it comes down to my set of priorities, mm-hmm. um, you know, I gotta, uh, I have to deal with the first career first. Okay. You know. Um, I got you. You know, so there's just, so, I mean, the poetry has always been, you know, it's always been a part of my life. It's always been a necessary avenue of expression. Um, I was a, uh, really, I was a poet even before I was an actor. My, uh, my dad went to Lincoln University with Gil Scott Heron and Brian Jackson. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I literally came out of the womb listening to Gil and the last poets. Um, and I remember, you know, I was like six, seven years old before ever taking any kind of acting class. I, uh, I, I made the declaration to my parents that I was either going to be a famous actor, a famous poet, or mm. a famous basketball player. So, like, it, it, it's safe to say that I was poet before I was even an actor. Yeah, and two out of three ain't bad. That's, that's, hey, that's man, you know, I'm not, I'm not mad. That's great numbers right there. Let me ask you this. You, you have, um, as far, especially with Black Hollywood, you are one of the actors that have stood firm in your beliefs. Um, you made being black and being famous look comfortable. Has it cost you financially to be so pro-black? Sure. Yeah. Are they are they overt with it, or or is it just you just kind of know? Say it again. Are they overt with it? Like you go to an audition and they're like, bruh, you know, um, we like you, but, uh, you know, you're too black for us. No, not at all. Because there are, um, you know, look, there are other, uh, actors, entertainers who are more black than me. Um, you know, so we have to look at how we can, how we look at, at, at black because a lot of, a lot of artists, a lot of actors, directors, writers come to the table with, I'm a black actor, right? I'm a black director. I'm a black storyteller. Um, so I think in, uh, in, in a lot of ways, there are other artists who wear the, uh, wear the cloak of blackness more than I do. You know, for me, the way I approach my art, the way I approach my, you know, my, my craft, my career is I'm an artist. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, I, I don't necessarily have to, um, I don't need to put the, you know, the, uh, the spin, uh, I don't need to, I don't, I don't need to put the spin on my blackness. I don't need to wear my blackness, um, you know, on my sleeve because I just am black. And, it, and it's, it's one of the things like, you know, when you look at when, you know, when, when the Cosby show first came out, mm-hmm. right? There were black people who were like, man, they're not really black, right? Black people don't really live like that. I've said that. See, there you go. 
There you go. Be honest. Yeah. But I changed. Yes. As I as as I you know as the show progressed because me and you are about a year apart in age. Okay. Um. I know I look like a fossil. <laughs> Life's been hard. But anyway, <laughs> like in the beginning, I, you know, and my mother, it's not like we were broke. Mm-hmm. You know, my mother was a nurse. We were doing good. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm like, dude, I've, I've never seen a family like that before. Right. Yeah. But as the story, as the years go on, that family became my family. Yeah. Yeah. You because know, also, like, also what happens though is... Before that show, you only saw black people on TV acting a certain way. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So the Huxtables, so my whole point is the Huxtables were very black without having to act black. They didn't have to do any of the black actations. They were very clearly black. It was in their dress. It was in the music. It was in the art on the walls. They were black culture without having to put the affectation on. So that's kind of how I approach, um, you know, my, like I said, my crafts, my career. Um, I'm very much black. I don't, I just, you know, I may not, I may not be wearing the shiki and, and, and kente cloth and, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I may not bring the slang and the black affectations. Um, but I very clearly, uh, own my blackness, um, all day long. You are who we wanted Cliff Huxtable to be forever. Mm. You, you, you have like, like, I, and I'm not going to go off into all of the, you know, yeah, yeah. Mr. Cosby's. Yeah. I'm not going to that. Yeah. But as far as what he was for, for, for our community. Yeah. You, you have personified perfectly. Mm. So if, if nobody else tells you, bro, I, I have to tell you, I'm proud of you, bro. I appreciate that, Joseph. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, man. No, nobody calls me that, man. They call me Jobs. Jobs. Okay, got it. Yeah. Got it. Oh my God, got man. It's like like my mom, <laughs> Joseph. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Since got we it, got like, it. I, I was gonna try to stay away from the Cosby Show because I've mm-hmm. watched. I've I've tried to do my research. I've watched yeah. you know quite a few interviews, and it ends up being a Cosby Fest, which is sure. no, you know sure. no no disrespect, but you got other shit going on in life. No doubt. No doubt. No, no. Um, but. Where's the Gordon Cartrell shirt? Uh, I, I think it's in the um, the African American uh, Museum in DC, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. I need that shirt. I just oh, love it. Um, okay, so what was your last normal year of school? Was it Angeles Mesu? My last normal year was uh, Par Revere Junior High School. Okay. Yeah, okay. in uh, in, in Brentwood, California. Um, you talk to anybody from Par Revere? What? Yeah, my uh, uh, several of my really close friends are pre Cosby friends uh, that I went to to school with, you know, before I moved to New York. I, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. What was it like the first time you went home after becoming Theo? So it was interesting because, um, like, I got an agent. Like seventh or sixth, seventh grade, between mm-hmm. sixth and seventh grade, I got an agent. And I started doing, started working a lot. I was doing like my first, my very first audition was the show Matt Houston, uh, on ABC. So I did like Matt Houston, Fame. Um, I was doing, at one point I was doing two theater productions at the same time. 
Um, and, you know, now I'm at school and like, you know, kids are starting to recognize me, you know, being on TV. I was, you know, I'm, so I just, I'm like 12 years old and straight feeling myself, right? <laughs> right. Like I'm 12, I'm that dude right now. Like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to class and he like, he's like, oh, oh, snap. He was, you know, I was on, on TV. And again, and so I got the TV going and I got the theater going. So I'm doing two shows at the same time. Like I'm, I'm, I'm living my best life as it were. You couldn't tell me Jack. Um, and I was really feeling myself. Um, eighth grade year came around and I could not, I could not, I could not buy a job. Like I was going on auditions after audition, three, four callbacks, you know, Getting real close, but not booking the gig. Uh, and that happened like most of my eighth grade year. And what happened for me was, uh, it was a, a, a swift lesson in humility. Mm. Because at, you know, at 12, 13 years old, I was like, Oh, wow. This is, you know, as, as, as quick as it comes, it can just go. Yeah. And I came down off my high horse. I got that dose of reality. Um, and just as I learned that lesson and brought myself back down, I booked Cosby. So I always say, had, had I booked Cosby a year earlier, I would probably be, I would definitely be a slightly different person. And not, not better. Not better. No. No. And then. And then we got lucky because we shot Cosby, we got, we shot Cosby in New York. So I had to move to New York to do the show, which put all of us, uh, all, all of the kids growing up, it just put us in a great situation because we're on this, you know, you know, this hugely successful show. Um, but we weren't in Hollywood. Hmm. You know, so we had to, and you know, and in New York, you know, people don't care who you are. Really. So you can't try to be fly in New York, uh, because people just don't care. So the first studio where we were in Brooklyn didn't have a commissary. So at lunchtime, we had to walk out into the neighborhood to go get our lunch. Um, when we, uh, halfway through the, the run of the show, we ended up moving out to Queens, uh, Kaufman Astoria, their commissary was whack. So we would do what we're used to doing, leaving the studio, going out in the neighborhood and getting our food. So for us, it was a very different experience. Uh, and, and I think it, it affected us all in a uh, profoundly positive way, uh, more so being in New York than had we been in LA and been on that, you know, hugely successful show and being in Hollywood. Mm. Okay. So. Cosby is over. You've been on the biggest show in, in, in the universe. Um, you sit down. You guys decide to do what, what was it here and now? Okay. Which low key is probably got the biggest collection of black superstars Man. ever. Before they, before they were. Yeah. Before they were. You guys had Daryl Mitchell, who is. Probably the most underrated rapper actor in history. Yeah. Most people don't. Most people don't know he was a rapper first. Yeah. How, before Ruby the accident. Sure. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yo, yeah. I watched a few episodes too the other day. Okay. Oh, word. Where'd you see? It? Where'd you find it? On uh, YouTube. Wow. Oh, 
Yes. It's oh, a, somebody actually like you could tell that they they um they watched it and filmed it. it looks like from a phone or something. I'm not oh, sure, but on it, the TV. Yeah, it looked great though. I'm not gonna lie. Wow. Yeah, you know, it was just okay. a big box around the actual, you know, show. Okay. Yo, that was a really good show. Yeah, well, you know, you know who else was on that show? Uh, Lauren Hill. Lauren Hill. Yeah. Uh, Most Duff. Yes, yes, yes. Um, yes. and I'm I'm missing somebody. Yeah. Uh, Omar Epps. Omar Epps. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> and Andy Payton Murkison. I'm not sure who that is. Andy Payton Murkison. He was on um Law and Order for like ever, forever. Yo, uh, what what happened though? What like? So I, I, I didn't get it. It was a, it, I like I literally watched several episodes. Yeah, and it was it was really funny. Yeah, man, that show. Um, I think that show was uh, my first serious deep dive with politics mm-hmm. of television of network television. Because that was a show that Mr. Cosby, you know, had produced under his commitment with NBC. And, um, the Warren Littlefield, the cat who was the, the programmer at NBC at the time, didn't think the show was funny. He didn't like the show. Um, didn't think the show would do well. So when we shot the pilot, he came down to the taping and the audience loved it. But he still felt, you know, the show wasn't funny. So back then, all, you know, when all, when the networks at the time they were what, four, um, mm-hmm. they would shoot, uh, you know, they would shoot a bunch of pilots. Then they would have what's called pilot screening week, and they would, you know, screen all of their pilots, and their pilots would get rated. Um, that show here and now came in number two of all the pilots shot that year. So we thought, well, you know, Cosby's over. My pilot comes in number two, so clearly they're going to put my show on Thursday night. Yeah. Right? I mean, America is used to seeing my face on Thursday night. So we were like, the only question is, are they going to put us on before Different World or after Different World? So this cat uh still didn't, even though we were rated number two, he had such a beef with the show uh and or Mr. Cosby, he put us on Saturday night. And mind you, I'm 22 years old. My audience is not going to be watching TV at eight o'clock on a Saturday night. I was a, I was, I was out in the streets. Hey, man, come on. So, <laughs> <laughs> so our ratings were obviously not bad. And then the show that was that rated number the, the pilot that rated number one that they put on Thursday night got canceled after two weeks. What show was that? It was I can't. It was it was it was, it was on for two weeks. You probably never saw it. It was. Uh, a dude, you know, it was some, some comedian. It was basically a white dude who was a, uh, DJ at a black radio station. It lasted two weeks. So, yeah, I I don't even know the dude's name. Cause he, I think he was, he was a comedian. Um, or he might have been a real, uh, radio personality. I don't remember. But the show lasted two weeks. So we were like, oh, great. Well, the number two show they're going to put in that slot. They didn't do that. They ended up putting, uh, so we were on Saturday night and then the show out all night came on after us with, uh, Morris Chestnut, Dwayne Martin and Patty LaBelle. Yeah. So what they did was <laughs> instead of putting my show on Thursday night, 
They put, they that, put show that show on Thursday night. Yeah, so my show, so that, that show here and now lasted half the season just because, you know, uh, Warren Littlefield wasn't, he just didn't did the show. So he, he, he tanked the show. Yeah, which, like, it sounds, you know, I, I wasn't there, but it, it sounds more of a, I don't want to see this brother this strong. Well, I mean, his, the thing for me was, uh, because the show was produced by Mr. Cosby. So it was like, so after, Eight years of this man making this network all of this money. Like there was a time they were calling NBC the network of Bill Cosby. That's right? the problem. Right. So we're so I was like, wow, this man made this company all of this money and they turn around and hit him like that. It's like, okay. I see how the I see how how this politic game goes. Yeah, they will they will what is it? Do? I forget to say it, but they would shoot themselves in the foot intentionally yeah. Yeah. if it means, you know, getting rid of person X, let's yeah. say. Yeah. Yeah. So what 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 was next for you professionally? Uh I went to go do some some, some theater. Um and then after I was doing a play in Chicago, uh free fall. After that I ended up doing uh Tyson. The HBO movie Tyson with uh, Michael Jai White, who played Tyson. Okay. Uh, and then right after that, I did Tuskegee Airmen for HBO. That was a good one. That was a good yeah. one right there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that yeah. was a good one. Let me ask you this. Just what's more fulfilling, theater, music, or television? Mm. Ooh. Um, well, theater. Because I started out in theater, so that's really my home base. Okay. Um, theater is probably my favorite platform because you're, you know, you're in front of an audience, you get immediate feedback, you get a chance to, uh, you know, work stuff out every night. You, you know, ever been like, booed? No. Really? No. I got booed once, man. No. So I used to rap. I, and I went to do uh this shit uh in Detroit, <laughs> my cousin man, and I got booed so bad. I still how, remember. Oh, oh my how God. old were you? How old were you, man? <laughs> oh, I was grown, bro. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, it hurt. Like I had this song that I was supposed to do that was a a, a banger, but the guy that mixed it, he didn't put the hook on there. So I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna do this other song. You know, everything had just went wrong that day. Wow. And then I got up there and did that show, man. And I got booed by like 12 people. That was even worse. Oh, God. Like, it was nobody in the audience, but everybody in the audience booed me. Oh, <laughs> it wow. Was bad. Wow. Yeah. That's wild. So, okay. So, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, you do the theater. Um, oh, yeah. So, I was going to say, so theater, so, so theater is great because, like, you know, you, you, you do TV and, uh, you know, you always like, man, I could have done, so, I could have done that better. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, and the, but it's already done. The cool thing about theater is you finish, you know, you finish the show and you think, oh man, or you get a breakthrough. You're like, oh, all right, you know what? I learned something. You get to go back the next night and do it again. Right. So you got a nice, you know, three, six, eight week run. Uh, okay. so you get to consistently, constantly develop this. This character, you know, often in real time. So, and then, you know, there's no cut. There's no, you know, there's no editing. There's nothing to hide behind. So it's just you out there 
uh, and it's such an ensemble and collaboration. So I enjoy the, uh, so the theater is my favorite platform. Okay. Television is my favorite paycheck. <laughs> 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 and then the music, because I do the music like it's strictly for the love. There's a, there's a certain autonomy that I have with the music because like, you know, I've never been signed to a label. Um, the music has always uh, offered me a, a creative avenue of expression, uh, a way that I can express myself in a way that I can't as an actor or as a director. Okay. And for people that don't know, um, you and Dash, who I've interviewed, Dash is really dope. I, I, I still rock with Dash, too. I hit yeah. him up every now and then. Um, you guys do like a tribute show to a Tribe Called Quest. You do the songs, and then you do the songs where the samples came from. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, that can't pay worth a diddly, comparatively speaking. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, they, you know, look, it it pays, you know, it pays good enough to get some, you know, some bomb ass musicians, uh, you know, in the band. And these cats, you know, these cats, they play all the time. So, you know, they're con- uh, they're constantly doing shows, and you know, their checks accumulate. Uh, in relation, if we're talking in relation to what I get paid, you know, on my, uh, you know, my TV stuff, this is a big difference. Um, yeah. you know, and that's also the thing about theater too. Theater doesn't pay, um, much, but you don't do theater for the money. You do theater because for the craft, because you have a passion for the craft. Uh, so for me, the same thing is with the music. I don't do the music for money. I do music because I have a passion for, um, you know, for my music. I have a passion as a poet. I have a passion as a, as a, a bass player. Uh, I have a passion as an artist to express myself. So the, uh, yeah, the, I don't do it for the money. So. Why tribe as opposed to like you're in Atlanta? Why not outcast? So we also do outcast. Uh, <laughs> really? I've seen so, see yeah. that one. I need no, to see so, that one. Right. So what happened with the, the, what happened with the tribe, um, does the cat, uh, Craig, Craig Garrett, next level, uh, events, uh, in Atlanta. He does, he's a promoter. He does a bunch of different events. So he had this idea to do a tribe called Question. And, and, and it came out of a, an argument he had with his, his sister or his cousin, uh, who didn't like hip hop. And, you know, Craig was like, ah, but you know, there are, you know, there are, you know, you need to check out Tribe Called Quest. You need to check out, you know, they're known for their, their samples, you know, how they, uh, sample obscure jazz stuff. So he had this idea to do a tribe, uh, we got the jazz, uh, the jazz of a Tribe Called Quest. So it was his idea to put a band together. Uh, do the tribe hits, but also play the original joints they sampled from. And when he talked to Kyrie uh, Simmons, the MD, and told Kyrie about it, Kyrie was like, the only person who could pull that off is Dash. <laughs> and for, you know, for cats who don't know, uh, uh, Dashiell Smith is an amazing human being. Uh, but he's a trumpet player. He plays trumpet for Roy, uh, for Roy Ayers. Uh, he's an MC. He's a singer. And, you know, the show that we do, uh, you know, he and I, uh, we share the vocal responsibilities. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do, I do, uh, half the show, I do vocals with him. Uh, 
the verses, and then the other half I'm playing bass. Okay, who's um, who? Uh, we we trade off. I mean, he does when I come. I do a lot of uh, no. We trade off because I do I do five verses on some songs, and okay. uh, you know I do tips verses on some songs. So we just kind of we kind of match it up. Better MC five or, or tip. Ah, mm. uh, I I I'd go ah uh, I go five. I agree with you. Yeah, I think the so first slept on, think, so slept on. Yeah, yeah, I think the first, like the first album, the uh, People's Travels. Yeah, yeah, that was, and then uh, you know, Midnight Marauders. Uh, I mean, the Low in Theory, but Midnight Marauders. I think that was the one with Fife. Just like <laughs> he got tired of hearing the shit about. Yeah, him, yeah, and his dope. Yeah, Fife sword, yeah. and he, yeah. yeah, he took it. He took it. Yeah, yeah, you know. But, but, but I think, I, I, I think there's, there's, some, there's something really interesting about, uh, Q-Tip's vibe, though. Right? Like, he may not, you know, he may not be on, on anybody's list of, like, top MC, but he, he brings such a vibe that you can't, you know, you can't, you can't really sleep on him. He's like mm-hmm. hip hop's Miles Davis. There may be technically Better mm-hmm. musicians. Since the miles, yeah. yeah. But he's yeah. just got it. Yeah. He's on the mile. Yeah, but oh, man, man. The five footer, bro. Oh, oh man. Yeah. yeah. Who are you listening to now? Rap wise, hip hop wise. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I've got a. I have a love hate relationship with, with, with hip hop. And it's funny because on, on, on all of my albums, uh, there's always a, there's always some a piece where I talk about my love hate relationship with hip hop. Um, right now, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm listening to Black Thought. Um, you know, I'm listening. I listen to Tribe because of you know, what we're doing. I've, mm-hmm. I've, I've been uh, digging into Outcast because we started doing this Outcast tribute show, so I had to really do a deep dive in, in the new music. But like, I have a you know part of my Thing with hip hop, um, just a lot of black music. Period. Now, when you when you listen to the content of so much of our black music, it's really pretty anti-black. Yeah. yeah. When you really get down to it, like let's let's strip the beats away. Let's stop bullshitting. Right. Let's stop coming up with excuses. And let's really listen to what black music, listen to the messages, listen to what black music is telling us. And it's, it's not telling us anything good or positive about ourselves. I think that the radio has made us lazy and the Internet has allowed like there's an artist I'm going to interview uh, next month. Uh, she's actually a, a physician. C. Red is her name. Mm-hmm. Look her up on Instagram. And she's got what she calls white coat Wednesdays. How do you spell it? C red, just C and oh, red. Oh, C and red. Okay. Yep. Very, very. She's what you're looking for. Okay. You know, but she's not. You know, she's not talking about her booty hole is brown. Gotcha. gotcha. So she's not going to be on. You know, Radio One is not going to pick her up. Gotcha. Odds well, are. Moo Moo Fresh. Are you have the Moomoo Fresh? I, I've never heard of Moomoo Fresh. Oh. M U M U Fresh. Moomoo Fresh. She's from Philly. Uh, she rock with the roots. 
uh, there's, there's a really dope, uh, she has a really dope tiny desk, uh, show, uh, as well. Uh, yeah, well, she rock with boots, but Moo Moo Fresh is, she is Erica. She's Jill. She's Angie Stone. She's Lauren. And she's Missy, all rolled up in one human being. She's a beast. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. And you know, like my, my cousin is watching this. She said, our, 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 we got a, the next generation, we got some, some artists. And she wants me to mention Eddie B, who is really, like, my little cousin is really fucking dope. Tell Eddie B he needs to be consistent. <laughs> and I've been telling, I love him and I love him as an artist. You gotta not, you can't quit. Mm. You know, I don't mm. care. Talent means nothing without effort. Yeah. Word. You know, um, you talk about you 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 touch the 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 subject of insecurity a lot. Mm-hmm. Is that from a personal standpoint? Because I can't see what what Malcolm Jamal would be insecure about. Like oh, wow. matter of fact, and, and you said that in a relate you were in a relationship and you allowed yourself to be disrespected. How? Not speaking up for myself. Um, mm. Being a Being, being a good man, right? Being what I thought, you know, I thought a good man was supposed to be. Um, and in that, not, um, not being forthright about things that were not necessarily okay with me. Mm. Um, there is a, um, you know, so much of, so, so many of us were raised, uh, in ways that we may not necessarily consider traumatic, mm-hmm. right? But, you know, and I make, I'm making a general statement. So, you know, we may, we may have some people watching this who may not agree, uh, in their particular individual situation. But when we think about our parents' generation and how they were raised, right? They were raised by parents who went through trauma. Absolutely. Who were raised by parents who went through trauma, who were raised by parents who went through trauma. So there's this intergenerational trauma that continues to get passed on. Um, and there were some, you know, and, and, and I'm, I'm not throwing my mom under the bus at all. Like my mother is, you know, my mother is probably, um, I would, I would say 79, 80% the reason I'm the man I am today. I, I give my mother props all day long. Um, but I was raised a certain way. Yeah. And, uh, uh, in this particular relationship, you know, what I had come to realize is that there were things that I was trying to be okay with because of the way that I was raised. Yeah. And, you know, you know, and even my, you know, my mom and I even, even had a conversation about this, but there were, there were, uh, because she was the mother and I was the son, there were, you know, a lot of ways that I could not express myself or express my displeasure. Right? Like, how do you tell your mom <laughs> you're not pleased with 
<laughs> how she's talking to you or, you know, <laughs> how she's disciplining you. How do you tell your mom that, right? Yeah. So <laughs> You might catch your ass with her. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> so what I found, you know, you know, uh, it took me some time to realize, um, you know, to what the end of the relationship uh, and being out of the relationship was there was still so many of those things that I had carried um, and just so many things that I wasn't, I, I, I wasn't respecting myself and my space enough to uh, speak up for myself. I've been there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, or it's either you, you, it, you're going to speak up for yourself at some point. And when you do, it's a lot worse than had you spoken up for yourself when that problem arised. The pressure cooker, baby. Yeah. And now, now it's like, oh, well, since I'm on it, you know, now I've, I've been saving shit, you know, so I, I got a couple of years worth of things I kind of want to say yeah. right now. Yeah. Yeah. And it turns ugly. Yeah. So I take, so I, I definitely take responsibility on my end for not having, you know, spoken up sooner. Um, yeah, because like you said, you know, you keep about it in, and then when it comes out, it's you know, it's like, damn, who's this dude? <laughs> Yo, you, 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 know? you have, uh, and I know you're married, so I I, I want to say it respectfully, mm. but you you've uh, you've done well over the years as a as a black celebrity. Um, and and what you don't hear is a lot of you know of your business. Mm-hmm. How did you accomplish that? You know, again, I, I, one, I go back to my mom, my, my mom and my dad. I can't, I can't leave my dad out. My, my parents raised me. So my, my, my parents, my parents separated when I was three years old. Mm-hmm. They finally got divorced when I was six. And my dad's been remarried for like 40 something years. But my mother and father have been like brother and sister my whole life. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, They've man. been like best friends. My, you know, my, you know, my dad lived in Chicago. We were in LA and then New York. But my mom and dad, they, you know, they maintained a relationship that uh, had a, a, a profound impact on me and my relationships. Okay. And the way I interact with them. Um and you know for me there's all there's there's a uh there is a respect factor uh that I've learned just from watching my parents. Okay. Um and now you know I'm a you know I'm I'm a guy so you know, there, there are also ways that I was, you know, very much a guy and, you know, not necessarily as respectful, uh, you know, as other ways. <laughs> That's a nice way of putting it. <laughs> right. So I'm not going to say I was, I'm not going to say I was an angel in, in, in all of my scenarios, but I've always been, I've always been a good dude. And right. I've also been, I think I've been very blessed and very fortunate, uh, and experienced enough to also have good judgment of character. Right. So I, uh, I've always attracted good people in my life. And when you, you know, when you treat good people right, uh, you know, good people 
you know, I, I always try to leave. Um, I always try to. Uh, that's, that, that sounds cliche. Someone said that. But I just always you try to done be done a gazillion interviews, bro. How can you not say cliche? Shit? I know, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think I've just been, I, I, I've been with, um, you know, I, I tend to, you know, I've had really good people in my life. Um, and, you know, I know I can go, I know I can leave this earth at peace knowing that I have not done people wrong. Oh, you better than me. I've been an asshole. I'm I'm you know, I'm not I'm not even gonna lie. Like I was complete asshole for a while. Yeah. You know, um yeah. no real reason. I just wasn't shit. I was an ain't shit dude. What changed? Um I've got three daughters. Uh, and I didn't want my daughters finding me. Yeah. You know, so I tried to make a conscious effort to, you know, early on, it was just keep keep things away from them. But, you know, the older I got, I realized the older they got, you know, I, I need to make lifestyle changes in how I behave. Yeah. You know, um, and, and, and being honest with my mama, having real conversations with my mother um, and my mother went through a lot. And her being honest with me about what she went through. Yeah. Yeah. That uh, it it just, and then it it, I tell people all the time, you you pretty much date the same person over and over and over. Mm-hmm. You learn how to deal with that personality better as you mature. So the personality traits are the same. It's just okay. You know what? I've got a, I got a knowledge base now about myself and about that personality trait. I know how to how to deal with that better. You know, so just getting older, man. Just, just, just life. Yeah. You know, let, let me ask you this: Your father made you read the book American Negro. The great American Negroes. The Great American Negroes. Yeah. Have you thought about the fact that, let's say, in 2050, you're going to be in that book? You're going to have your own chapter. And if so, here's the book right here. Wow. What? What? There you go. What? Wow. That's awesome. Man, What's man. your chapter going to read like? Uh, I don't know. We'll see what we'll, we'll see what AI comes up with. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, let's say no. they they come to you and they say, uh, Malcolm, we want you to start the chapter off. Where do you start? Wow, jobs. Hmm. Well, I didn't want to just ask you a million questions about the Cosby Show, bro. Yeah, man. Yeah, no, that's good. I, you know, I don't know. Like, I'm always. It's always interesting to hear how people see me. Um, and like we talk about the insecurity, we mentioned the insecurity uh, mm-hmm. uh, aspect. Uh, and I was just having a conversation with a buddy of mine really a couple of days ago. Um, 
So even though I was, I was aware of the impact, and <laughs> going back to Cosby, even though during the show, I was aware of the impact that that show was having on mm-hmm. America and specifically black America. I, when you're in the middle of it, it's hard to really appreciate the totality of it because you're, you know, you're dancing back in the middle. Of it. So as I've gotten older, I've gotten, had, I, I've gained even much more of an appreciation for the show and everything that the show has done for the culture. But growing up, I always paid attention to, even though we, you know, the term wasn't haters back then, mm-hmm. right? But the haters of that time, that's what I always gravitated toward. And I think for me, it was a, you know, it was a, maybe it was a device that I was using, uh, for humility. Like, okay, let me not get all, let me not get all caught up in all the positive that people are saying about me. So I'm listening to these motherfuckers, you know, I remember being like 15, uh, 15, 16 years old in Chicago. And this dude called me America's favorite, uh, white black man. So I always, so I grew up listening to, you know, the, the, the people calling me corny. Right? Like I grew up and, you know, you know, the bad boys were getting all the love, right? The nice guys weren't getting the love. Like, you know, the chicks wanted the bad boys. Uh, so I, you know, for some reason, I just, I, I, I let so much of that capture my attention instead of, you know, all the positives. And I think mm-hmm. I, I, I got to a point, like literally, I'm talking, Within the last 10 years, eight to 10 years, uh, finally getting to a point where, uh, I'm comfortable enough in my own skin and realize that I don't need to use, uh, the device of listening to haters, uh, for humility. Hmm. Yo, that's powerful, bro. It's crazy. It's fucking, it's fucking, it's crazy. It's not. Nice. I'm glad you, y'all didn't have to go through that shit during the social media age. Cause bruh, like, it, like, I couldn't, I can't even imagine. No, I can't even. Yeah, that just, uh, and just, what's Lisa Bonet doing? I loved her. Like, I literally, like, oh my God, everybody I knew loved Lisa Bonet. Yeah. Uh, I haven't talked to this. I need to, I need to, I need to reach out to her. I know she got divorced, so, um, I've not reached out to her since then. That was like a big, big news thing. Uh, but Lisa's always, Lisa's always been my G. Lisa and, uh, and Keisha have always been my, been the homies, man. <laughs> That's dope. Yeah, Keisha to this day. That's our, our daughters are a few months apart and our daughters like love each other. And it's so surreal for us looking at our daughters like this is fucking crazy right now. What's crazy? See, just seeing her. Oh, I forgot the show. Uh, Jesus Christ, it's on BET seven trillion times a day. Um, now that she's on, uh, is that her? No, no, she's in that for the House of Pain. Right? 
That's it. Oh, I hate the wife for House of Pain. Oh my gosh, so oh, just bothers me. I'm sorry. No, oh, I don't. Thing. I don't watch it, so I don't know anything. Really? You've never watched it? I, I think I try to watch it. I try to watch it once. Um, even years ago. But it's and totally movie. unrelated. I need this is a book I, I, I got for you. The Echo from Dilly Plaza. I entered my first interview, and this was almost ten years ago. This guy named Abraham Bolden. And Echo of Dilly Plaza. Yep, D E A L E Y. You're gonna want to make this into a movie. I, I swear to God. This guy, first black man to guard the president in the Secret Service. Uh, one of the first black Pinkerton detectives. Like, and they tried to kill the man. Like, just a phenomenal, oh, phenomenal, wow. phenomenal story. Wow. And like, I've been thinking about you in that role for damn near a decade, bro. Wow. Okay, I'll check that out. Wow. Yes. Um, and I know. Uh, to- totally. Yeah. yeah, Kid J. Uh, I'm sorry. Oh, Kid J is another artist. Just really. Kid J. Okay. And I, I, I hate to like just be promoting. You know, I don't typically do that. Um. But I know you're looking for music I'm that looking, it, that's different. I'm looking. You know, so I, I don't get nothing out of it. I ain't managing nobody and making no money. I'm pretty poor. However, <laughs> you know, if I see somebody dope, I tell other people about their dope. Yeah, no doubt. Word. Yeah. You know, yeah, um, sure. let's see. In hiding in, in plain view, you said vulnerability can be a scary thing even when you're on the men. Black boys boast bravado not to seem broken, and often so do black men. Are you guilty of that? Not um, not in my adult life, um, and not so much not so much in that particular stanza. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've, I've definitely been guilty of, you know, uh, places of not allowing myself to be vulnerable, um, <laughs> which I guess is that first stanza. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess I am guilty of that. I, I, I have been guilty of that. <laughs> oh, you, you, yeah. you, you yeah. say some really deep yeah. shit, bro. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm sitting there like the one thing you were saying, and I didn't write it down, but you were saying if you were in a room full of friends. Um, you wouldn't notice the hater. Yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, first yeah. off, I can put all my friends on on literally one hand. <laughs> I may not notice the hater, but they're gonna notice the hater. Mm. If they're if they're really your friends, mm. Mm. they're all gonna point that person out and remove that person for mm. you. Mm. Mm. You know, yeah. um and I know I, I we've only got an hour, man, so I don't wanna take up too much of your time. Uh and first off, I gotta thank your moms. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Truly, truly, truly. Yeah, um, Mason, I want to say thank you. Dash, thank you. Um, this has been a long, long, long time in the making. It has to, it, 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 Jobs, thank you for your patience, brother. Uh, I've got, you know, we're going back and forth. I was like, yeah, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. And I really wasn't, you know, and I, I know you know, I wasn't, I was not blowing you off. Just, you know, <sighs> life. <laughs> Yo, before we go, yeah. the resident. Yeah. Favorite episode? Ooh, I think I, I got a few. I think probably my favorite episode is 
when uh when Nina left. Is that the sister? Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. My, my wife's upstairs. Jeez. Oh Lord. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. why did they do that to you? She wanted. I was she, angry. No, she wanted to be off the show. Yeah. Yeah. Sha, you know, Shanette went to uh, you know Yale dr- Drama School, and fresh out of Yale, she was in. Um, you know, she had a small, a bit part in Black Panther. Then she had a recurring role on Billions, and then she booked The Resident. And I think for her, um, because she is such a powerful and dynamic uh, actor, um, I think for her, being on a medical drama was just too confining. So she... To, you know, she wanted to be free to go do other things. Now, mind you, she left the show and went straight to go do Indiana Jones 5 and has been the talk of the Cannes Film Festival. Like, she's, you know, she's, she's where she wants to, where she wanted to be. She's like, she's killing again. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, we all, we all know about Malcolm and Eddie and you guys, you know, the story behind that. We don't, I don't think we need to revisit the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I'm curious though. How did they sell you on taking that show? <laughs> um, so Eddie and I were, we had the same agency. We're at the, okay. we're at the same agency. And uh, so when you have an agency, like agencies will try to do package deals. So if they've got, you know, say in this case, they had two actors and the showrunner. Uh, all at the same agency. So if they can put together a package deal, they get, the agency gets a bigger percentage. Um, and the clients don't have to pay 10% to that agent because they're already getting money from the show. So, you know, Eddie had a, a holding deal with TriStar and they were trying to do something with him. And then somebody came up with this bright idea of, Hey, let's do like a, you know, a nineties urban odd couple. Uh, you know, we have Eddie. Who else can we get to, you know, do the other way? So when, uh, so I wasn't sure about it when, you know, it was first brought to me, mm-hmm. but I was like, okay, well, you know, I'll meet, I'll, I'll meet with the cat. Let's like sit down and, 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 and break bread. So when we sat down and talked about the show and talked about, you know, what our morals and value systems were, I thought we were on the same page. Um, and I'm sure he thought we were on the same page too. And then we started working and we just realized we were not on, <laughs> we were, we were just not on the same page, like, like anywhere. And, you know, and we were both, you know, I'm in my, I'm in my late twenties, he's in his early thirties. And, you know, for him, it's a come up, you know, for me, uh, you know, it's a, it's a come up because, you know, my last show that was mine was here and now. So now I'm on Malcolm and Eddie and, you know, and I also thought that they were, uh, that UPN, because they knew my history and knew my background, I actually thought UPN was interested in doing a show that was not going to be a stereotypical approach, stereotypical black sitcom approach. So 
I had all these ideas of being able to elevate um, uh, portrayal of people of color in the way that that Cosby did. Um, even though UPN's whole marketing scheme was the antithesis, right? So I, I basically I went in there as Don Quixote, like. <laughs> It should have been Don Quixote starring Malcolm Jamal Ward. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's what it was. But the thing, the, 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 what came out of it though was because I was so, um, I was so miserable on one hand, uh, that I needed another outlet, right? Cause I was acting, I was directing, I was producing the show. I was like, that's when the poetry, Lane opened up for me. It's like, oh, I need this avenue of expression over here. And I started playing bass. Uh, you know, then I started my band. So, uh, my, the, the whole musical side of what I do, even though I was already doing poetry, but the whole musical side of what I do came out of that experience. Okay. So, you know, uh, you know, so yeah, so, you know, people have heard me talk about it. Eddie Knight didn't get along, whatever, whatever. But also, um, what 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 often gets cut out of that conversation is even though Eddie and I didn't necessarily get along, every night we had to take the show. Yeah, pray. We put we held hands and prayed. Um, but now you know we're both you know, and again we were in our twenties, you know, late twenties, early thirties. So now we're on our grown man shit, and it's a whole different like you know that was a lifetime ago. We both you know we've had conversations. We both know. Um, you know, where we were and what our parts were in that, you know, in that shit. But we're, you know, it's, it's, it's all love. It's all love. Man. To joint with Tracy. How is Tracy Ellis Ross? <laughs> she's dope. She's great. <laughs> yeah, man. She's, yeah, she's good people. She's good people. <laughs> I'm definitely a fan. Oh, uh, <laughs> Right. Okay, yeah. and you you cut me off whenever you're ready to go. Bro, all right, all right, cool, I, cool. I, I, I'll talk and talk. Um, are you tired of the Cosby Show questions, or is that just something you've resolved yourself to? I'm gonna forever get these. It is what it is, man. Like I cannot, uh, I can't ignore the cultural impact that is has the the, the cultural. Um, uh, impression, impact, but the impression mm-hmm. that that show made on, uh, on, on the world, but specifically our culture. Because, you know, we all grew up on the show, including me. Like, there's a, um, on my third album called Selfless, I have a song, uh, a journal there called Brand New Day. It's, uh, it's me, Lettucey, and Robert Glasper. And at the end of the second verse, I actually say that I'm holding out for an iconic love like Cliff and Claire. And I put that record out. I was 45 years old. Hmm. So that show, and again, I said Cliff and Claire. I didn't say, I didn't say, you know, I said Cliff and Claire, right? So, and, you know, in, influenced by the same, you know, television couple that Everybody else was. Now, mind you, the the month I put that record out, I met my Claire. My I, I met my wife the month I put that record out. Like I I I spoke it into an exist into existence. Okay, let me ask you this: 
When did you know? I never tell the story. Um, I've, people used to always say, when you know, you know. People who've been married forever or just been together forever, they always say, when you know, you know. I have been in long-term relationships more of my adult years than I have. Four, five, six, seven and a half year relationships. So I would always be the one to tell you, you need to be with somebody for like four or five years, you know, so you can really know who that person is before you make that kind of commitment. I would be the one to tell you that. Uh, my wife, I knew in five and a half months. And at that five and a half month mark, I was like, that's what they're talking about. Like, it really, it's a real thing. When you know, you know. Who'd you call first? Oh, that's a good question. I tried, but I tried. That's a great oh. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. That's a great question. I don't recall. It could have been my best friend Chris. It could have been, uh, well, it could have been, so one of my, <laughs> one of my dearest friends and, uh, for a while, like spiritual compass is India Irene. Like that's, that's my, that's my homie. We have, uh, shared and vented to each other. Uh, she helped me through, uh, two breakups. <laughs> She might have been, I gotta call her that. She might have been. If she was not the first, she was one of the first. When, when you call her, do me a small favor. Tell yeah. her, please, please come on the show. I will pass that on. I love India. And what she said about, uh, 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 the, I want to say it was the BET Awards. Uh, uh, Essence Music Festival. Oh, it, it, I'm sorry, Essence. Uh, might as well be the same damn thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think it, it, I agree with her, but I think it's misplaced. And I think that she should be blaming us, black men, more so than those sisters. We, we're supporting it. We're the ones driving it. We're yeah, the ones promoting it. Black women mm-hmm. are supporting it too. I mean, so it's, it's not, it's not just, it's not just black men. Again, that's why I go back to, that's why I go back to black music. I go back to the conditioning, right? And again, there's a, you know, I can't just generalize black music, but I can definitely damn sure say most of it. Let me ask you right? this, Dan. I had Big Gip on the show, I don't know, maybe a month or two ago. And my question to him was, how come we don't blame Radio One? Like we get into this who's at fault, mm-hmm. black men, black women, but Radio One is supposed to be our radio station. It's the number one station in our 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 demographics, no matter where you live at. Mm-hmm. Why do they get off scot free? Look, why do the artists get off scot free? They don't. Not I don't know. I, I I mean, most most rap artists I know. Nobody's blaming them or the record companies. 
we're supporting that. We're supporting music that, you know, that, that, that celebrates misogyny, that celebrates black on black, uh, 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 violence, <laughs> degradation of our culture, right? We're supporting the music. Like one of the reasons I can't listen to hip hop anymore because I'm tired of being called nigga every other fucking line. Right? I'm tired of hearing about I'm, bitches I'm and hoes. This. I'm horrible. Oh, I, I am, yeah. I, I say nigga every 12 seconds. Okay. Yeah. You, you, you were good today. Were, I know because I knew that that's not, that's not your thing. Right. No, man. So I'm not going to beat no. you over the head and be like nigga, nigga, nigga. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. I appreciate it. But <laughs> I listen, we don't, bro. you know, we don't, we don't like see, remember Stephen Lewis Tucker? I was going to ask you, was she right? Come on. She was dead ass. She was, she was dead ass. We killed her back then. Yes. I hated, I hated yeah. her. Yeah. Because Tupac sure. hated her. You're right. Sure. And I think, you know, and I can't speak for the brother, rest in peace, and my favorite MC of all time, but I'm absolutely certain if that man were still alive, he would apologize. And he would say that she was right. I don't know. I don't know. He got so caught up in, he got so caught up in trying to be a gangster. They he spent got so, a million dollars to get the got, man out of prison. Right. He got so, so imagine, the, mo- imagine, imagine the money he made for them. Yeah. But right. I'm right. If but, you spend a million dollars to get me out of prison, I'm kind of going to ride with you. You know? So that's a, I mean, don't, don't even get me started. Like that's a whole nother. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole nother thing. But yes, C. Dolores Tucker was right. She was right. She was a hundred percent right. She was a thousand percent right. Here I we are think now. she, the way, well, she went about it like most old heads go about things. In a, in a, you should listen to me because I've been on this earth longer than you format. Mm-hmm. And that was not the right way to go about it. She had the right message. She was the wrong messenger. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and had she, you know, been aware of that aspect and chosen some people to help her with that message that were a little bit more palatable, mm-hmm. I think it may have went over a little bit more. Yeah. I don't know. I think record companies, you know, record companies have more. More muscle than that. I, <laughs> you know, record companies, record companies saying, Hey, we're paying you this money. We're going to dictate to you what your content is going to be. So literally there was, there was a, there was a, uh, uh, the guy, uh, one of the guys from Souls of Mischief I interviewed and they were in Jive offices when Jive got the call from, he doesn't know who, but they were literally told, okay, um, it stops. You either going to make this bullshit music. Or you're going to go the completely opposite. There's not there's not gonna be a healthy in between. Wow. Wow. Yeah. 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 So make no mistake, there was a concerted effort. Oh yeah. So we don't blame the artists for being puppets, right? And being perpetrators. Mm-hmm. Um and perpetuating getting getting paid making Millions of dollars perpetuating these, 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 these stereotypical images. Because remember, you know, we grew up, we grew up before NWA, right? 
these, you know, the generation underneath us, they, what they know is NWA and, uh, gangster rap and post gangster rap. Cause when we grew up, hip hop was about telling tall tales. Right? Uh, well, no, cause NWA, let me see. I went to a Snoop concert when he first came out for my 21st birthday. Okay. So NWA was what, my teenage years. The years that really counted. <laughs> you know? So like I was, you know, I, and, and they made it sound palatable or, or acceptable because they were telling their story. Well, niggas been using that same thing for, uh, for 40 years now, 50 years now. But they weren't telling their story. They, they, but they weren't telling their story. They didn't live they in common. Not. May, maybe, maybe Ren, Ren might have lived in common. Easy but, from my understanding was, was the business. Sure. Yeah. Other than sure. that. Sure. I know, mean, Dre, like, Dre was the world class wrecking crew. I mean, turn yeah. off the lights was the, that was everybody's jam. It was, and they had on sequins and makeup. Yeah, and and eyeliner. Yeah, yeah, I, <laughs> I remember. You know, but then um, somehow it got turned into now life trying to imitate art, and then you know Fifty Cent got shot nine times, so now that makes the story real. And then just the messages, the messaging. It's like there's a um, the legendary Black Ice poet. He's okay. one of the, uh, one of the, uh, the Death Poetry Jam on Broadway poets. Okay. Uh, he has, ooh, I cannot remember, I cannot remember the, uh, the poem. There's a poem he did on Death Poetry Jam. And I gotta find it because you gotta look it up. It's, he explains succinctly what happened with hip hop and how the record labels were, you know, intentionally putting the, you know, the dope in the music. Mm. Um, but you just have to see it because he, and this was back in, you know, when, whenever Death Poetry Jam was on. Yo, have you seen they clone Tyrone? No, I saw it. I saw it. Yo, is it funny? Have... No, I mean, there was some funny parts. You have got. I'm, I implore you. You have got to watch this movie, wow. bro. Okay. I watched it yesterday, and I've been thinking about this movie since. It is absolutely everything that this conversation encapsulates in a movie form, and more. Where'd you it, see it? It's on Netflix. Oh, word. Okay. Yes. Yes. And I'll even give you a password if you need one. Man. <laughs> Okay, so right now it's it's coming up as uh, Black Ice, Deaf Poetry One. Okay. Yeah, I'm absolutely gonna check that out. Oh, uh, Coast Contra, I'm listening to them all over YouTube. I I can't, I can't not listen. To them. You, you hip on them? You hip on? I I am not. Coast Contra. Oh, what is my oh? I got one. I got one more for you. I'm gonna let you go. Connie okay. Sun. Who? Connie Sun. Connie Sun. Okay. Yes. Yes. Dude, out of, uh, he's actually out of Cleveland. Connie Sun. Word. Wow. Okay. Completely, completely different type of cat. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um. Anyway, I got, bro. 
this has been an absolutely phenomenal Yo, conversation. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm, glad we, I'm glad we finally got to do this, man. Me too, man. This is just yeah. has been, it has been well worth the wait. Yeah, dig it. Dig it. You know, dig it. if y'all don't know out there, man, I've, I've, I've begged this man 17 trillion times. <laughs> <laughs> and I kept saying, no, we're going to do it. We're going to, I promise you, we're going to do it. Just, just, just be patient with me, you know. So, it's been yeah. worth it, bro. Yeah. It absolutely yeah. has, man. Yeah. Um, if people want to get in touch with you, um, how do they go about doing that? Uh, you know, I'm on IG, Malcolm Jamal War. Uh, now because I was trying to be fancy, but at the time, that's all that would fit because I have a long name. <laughs> 18 letters. Yeah, 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 you go. Um, at Twitter is Malcolm Jamal War. Uh, my Facebook page is Malcolm Jamal Warner. Um, although I, I, I hear that there are a couple of, uh, fake you accounts. You, you got a few, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and we, you know, once you get one shut down, another one pops up. But I think, uh, if anyone, anyone who, who, who knows me, uh, can tell by what's being posted, if it's really me or not, if you know what I stand for and what my content is. Um, uh, so yeah, those are the ways. Uh, you know, my music is, uh, Malcolm Jamal Warner's Miles Long. Um, you know, a lot of times if you go to Spotify or any of the streaming services, if you just put in my name, Malcolm Jamal Warner, you'll get, um, you'll get features I've done, you'll get collaborations, but to actually hear my music, my, my albums, uh, you have to do Malcolm Jamal Warner's Miles Law. Bruh, we have got to get somebody to do that dope video. Word. No, you're, no, you're absolutely right. I gotta get on that. I've been, I've yeah, been please. Okay. So, let me know. Hit me up. I will literally drive down there to be like, when I say I love that song, I love that song. Oh, wait. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yes. Yeah. Um, on that yeah. note, man, um, you have a phenomenal day. I don't, hey, I'm well, not bro. sure. I'm not sure if there's anything I could possibly do for Malcolm Jamal Warner, but if there is, bro, you got my number. You got and, it. And you text me, bro. Like, that was so <laughs> I was like, oh, I just fanned the fuck. <laughs> That's hilarious. I'm just telling you, it's the truth. <laughs> That's great. That's anyway, great. man. Um, All right, brother, appreciate you, you well. man. Yeah, you have man. a good one, bro. All right, you too, Jobs. All right. All right. Peace. Peace. Yo, let me just off the bucket list. Come on, bro. Like I tell y'all every week, man. Nothing, nothing, nothing but legends on Intellectually Petty Radio. I am Jobs. I appreciate y'all for tuning in. Um, if I didn't get to your comment, if it was, I, I wasn't, yeah, I kind of was ignoring you. I'm sorry. It's fucking Malcolm Jamal Warner. What was I supposed to do? Um, anyway, uh, I hope y'all enjoyed the interview. Do me a favor. If, you know, look on YouTube, like, subscribe, and all that crap. Um, anyway. Y'all have a good one. Yo, shout out to my cousins, man. And yo, Janae, what's up? Oh my goodness, oh my god, oh my god. Oh my god, the whole family. Oh. <laughs> hey, see, I got a haircut and everything. See, it's not from Jamal Warren. He, he texts me. He literally texts my. I don't even remember giving him my phone number. Anyway, um, yo, Jay, I'm sorry I didn't, I didn't, uh, you know what? Screw you, Janae. <laughs> oh, absolutely, Marsha. Absolutely. Anyway, man, let me get out of here. 
I'm hungry. I'm old. I'm fat. And I got to get up in the morning to go to work. On that note, man, y'all have a good one. I am out.